Good morning. A warm welcome to each one here this morning, especially visitors that are here with us. Our theme for this morning is living in grace. How do we live in grace? First, I believe grace is a gift from God to each of us. And with Christ's help, we are transformed and become a part of the family of God. And then through Christ, we offer love and grace to others. After our opening song, we will sing about being a part of the family of God and then about the grace that is received through Christ. Please stand with us for the singing.
remain standing and share Christian greetings. Good morning. I invite uh, Terry Graber to come up at this time. Uh, lead us. The process of, of selection of leadership board members is an important process that we've been in prayer for for a few weeks, and he'll lead us as we uh, go through that process of filling out ballots. Good morning. So I'm here representing the leadership board in this process. This is a process that uh, we started, oh, it was probably back in February when we started doing open ballots at that time. That's when we start getting the original and then we sort of compile those and put them into a list and then start our contact process. Um, I just want to make sure that everybody has one of these. These were available on the tables as you were coming in. If you do not have one, go ahead and raise your hand and the ushers will, will get you one. So on the list, as you can see, there are two positions that we are voting for for the leadership board members and two positions that we are voting on for gifts discernment. I'll just wait a bit until everybody has a copy. Anyone else? Anyone else in the balcony need one? Okay, let's uh, have a quick prayer here before you uh, mark those ballots, and then I'll have you hand them into the center aisles, and then we'll pick them up from there. So if everybody can bow in prayer. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this Sunday morning that you've given us, this nice summer weather. We just uh, ask now that you're with us as a congregation as we complete this discernment process in the, the affirmation of these four individuals that are on this list. We just add that, ask that you continue to lead, guide, and direct our congregation in all things that we do in your name um, and be with us this upcoming church year. We ask all these things in your name we pray. Amen. So go ahead and sign them now and then pass them to the center aisles.
Thank you. One other reminder that uh, there's a disc golf uh, event tonight at 6 o'clock. We'll meet at the cabin. Just to clarify for those of you uh, of, of my generation, we used to call them Frisbees. <laughs> but they got smaller and more like a disc. So now they call them discs. Uh, and they hurt more if they hit you and you aren't looking. So anyway, that'll be tonight at the cabin at 6 o'clock, uh, an evening of fun. Come and join in together if you can. Let's turn to our prayers this morning. And of course, uh, the first thing in our minds um, is that we just want to offer our love and our prayers. To Glory Yoder and <clears throat> to all of the family in the passing of Daryl yesterday at his home. We grieve with the family at this shocking loss. Um, arrangements are pending at this time. We will get the information out as soon as we can as we work at those sometime tomorrow. So um, our hearts are heavy with this loss. I'm sure that each one of us here has a concern in our hearts for friends, for family, for ourselves. We need the Lord. And I was already introduced this morning. We need the grace of Jesus Christ to make it through and to stay strong in the Lord and to continue to realize more and more that the victory we have in Jesus Christ is greater than anything in this world. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Gracious God, you've blessed us with so many, so many wonderful gifts, joys, friends, special times, and you continue to teach us that your grace is sufficient to take us through anything we go through. You have heard and know the prayers of every heart this morning, which is amazing in itself. We give you great glory and honor for the compassion that you have for us, for the way that you care for each concern, big or small, for everything that we are going through and dealing with. We ask now, Lord, for your special grace, healing and love to surround and fill Gloria and all of the family. We love Daryl and we still love Daryl. And Lord, we, we thank you for his faith. We thank you for his witness, for his service. We thank you for all that he means to us and, and, and all that he has done. We ask, Lord, for your strength for the family in these coming days, 
for a continued healing work for them. We thank you, Lord, for the way that you have promised your presence with us in all things. There are many that we remember this morning around the world who live in places that are torn and broken and war-filled and violence-filled and hunger-filled, so many needs, lives lost, people wondering if there is hope. We pray for each of them. We pray for our brothers and sisters around the world that are dealing with the challenges that, that we aren't right now. And we lift them up in prayer and ask for your presence, your power to be with them, that your church would continue to demonstrate that there is nothing out of darkness that can keep us from having our hope in you. We pray for that strength to come through this morning in this service. We pray, Lord, for an awakening of your spirit here. We pray, Lord, you would speak through Doug this morning, bless him, give him the words, and teach us and lead us into a stronger faith and trust in you. All for your honor and glory as we continue to serve you and follow you in all that we go through. Lord, we don't know our days, but you do. And we pray that each day we're given, we might give you praise for it and use it for your kingdom's purpose. We lift all this up in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from Philemon. And I would just say, if, uh, if you're looking for the chapter, the correct chapter, there is only one chapter. So we will begin with verse 8. Of Philemon. Uh, just uh, a, a reminder that he's, he is uh, writing to Philemon who lives in Colossae and works as the leader in the church in Colossae. And these are the words that, that Paul is writing. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to have kept him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done anything wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more. Prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers.
Good morning. And with Wes's comment about the discs, they do hurt if you are hit with them. Um, so make sure that if somebody's putting, you're not in the way. Philemon. Um, I have to admit, when I first looked at the, uh, the scripture that was set up for the Sunday school lesson, you know, Philemon 8 through 22, I thought, my goodness, chapter 8 through chapter 22. Well, that, that's kind of the normal way you look at it. Um, no, one chapter, verses 8 to 22. But a, a letter to Philemon. Now, Philemon was a slave owner, and Onesimus was his slave. And Onesimus, uh, with, with the, the writing, had seemingly stolen some money from, from uh, Philemon and had run off, ending up in Rome, had come in contact somehow with Paul, but had converted and became a believer in Christ. Now, with slavery, in today's world, there's so much social media posting of various statements and claims about so many different topics, so many different issues, Reference to some of those topics can be intimidating, participating in that. Uh, there's a debate many times that no one is destined to win. It's just arguments. Many times people walk away from those more angry than they started. Nothing resolved. Conversations become volatile, become bitter. And so little room is given in many of those cases for discussion to gain understanding, to even find the chance of a common ground if it does exist. Many times it does, but, but we need to take the time to discover what that common ground may be. And the, the history of slavery in the United States, and especially the effects and the reparations of slavery, is one of those topics. It's volatile. Now, I don't agree with critical race theory arguments, but I would also say that some of the pain, some of the damage that has occurred if we turn blind eyes to those things, deaf ears, that's not in love either. So what, what I want to do is make sure we're looking at Paul's letter to Philemon today and encouraging it not to be any kind of a political viewpoint for the national, state, local scenario in any way. Um, you can get into all the arguments online. There's plenty of them out there. This is a church process. We are called to love. We are called to reach out. So what is God's call for us as a church? What is God's call for us in relationships that are direct, that are personal, applicable to where we live, right here and now? Also keeping an eye beyond that, but right here. Now, I don't know of any slave owners in our community, but are there characteristics of slave owners back in that time that we do have some characteristics maybe they're small maybe maybe we don't mean for them to pop up in any way but are there some things that that we have to watch out for are there ways that we don't uphold the call for equality love mercy grace and compassion so how is the church, how are we called to support, forgive, and encourage one another in a culture where differences tend to create division? We're wanting, God is wanting unity. So a couple of things. What is at the heart of Philemon that Paul is appealing in his words in the letter? If Paul asks some questions, there may be some tendencies that slave owners in that time that maybe Philemon could have possibly had that Paul was wanting to just safeguard against? And, and what are some of those things that might be spoken to us today? So how is Paul challenging us regarding our fellowship among believers in Jesus Christ? So I, I want to pose kind of three, three questions. And the first question is, who was Philemon? Uh, Wes referred to a little bit to him already. Um, a first century Christian living in Colossae, which is modern day Turkey. And prior to what Wes read with, with verses 8 through 22, in the very first verse, 
Paul addressed Philemon as a dear friend and fellow worker. In verse 2, we read that uh, Philemon was hosting a church meeting in his home, along with Appia, Philemon's wife, and Archippus, Philemon's son. In verse 5, Paul thanks Philemon for his love for all God's holy people and for his faith in Jesus Christ. And in verse 7, Paul acknowledges that Philemon has already been an encouragement for himself, for Paul, and for the church. And in, in other historical texts, Philemon is referred to as a bishop. So Philemon was definitely a leader in the church. He was a committed Christian interested in the kingdom of God being lived out and spread throughout the world. And Paul had a confidence in Philemon's faith and his leadership in Jesus Christ. And yet Philemon was a slave owner with a runaway slave that created some tension. So what would a slave owner in those days be expected to feel and to do? What, what would be appropriate? What would be lawful? And I think that's a bit of what is in, my, in Paul's mind as he writes to Philemon. Paul's anticipating that Philemon might act possibly as a normal slave owner might. And within the letter, I feel Paul is requesting that Philemon let go of those rights that he may have by law and instead show grace, mercy, and compassion. Now, when, when we think of slavery we consider and our mind goes to a racial inequality and injustice. That's what our country experienced. Now, New Testament biblical slavery was not based on race, but it was still very much about inequality of stature, a superiority of one person above another. Persons in biblical times could actually sell themselves as slaves when they couldn't pay a debt or they needed to provide for their family. So, that, so there was a need. Selling yourself into slavery is not really a great option for that. There were doctors, lawyers, and even politicians sometimes that would offer themselves as slaves for somebody else to be the master. Now, there were slaves in other lines of work where there were long, physical, tough conditions uh, individuals working on farms, in mines, and at mills. And even Aristotle, great Greek philosopher, referred to the daily routine of slaves as work, discipline, and feeding. Not necessarily a whole lot of nurturing. Slaves of all type, regardless of where they were, were considered property. So there were guidelines to take care of slaves. Proper treatment under Roman law, though, there were punishments that were allowed. So every slave still did not have freedom. There was definitely a hierarchy. They were not viewed as equals. Someone was above them. Someone was controlling their activities. And again, slavery was not something that anyone would select. So... Kind of, I, I think a bit of Paul's wonderment is how is Philemon going to view and treat Onesimus as Onesimus is returning to him. In Genesis 1.27 and also in Galatians 3.28, I think we read the mindset and the heart set of God. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female, he created them. Galatians 3.28, Paul writes, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. There's a quality, there's, there's an equal value. Um, it, it's as if Paul's letter to Philemon might be saying, so I'm kind of paraphrasing this a bit, so Paul's telling Philemon, your status in this world has been set by this world. But one in Christ means accepting Onesimus back as a fellow brother in Christ, equal to you in God's eyes, not as someone that you are superior to. 
regardless of what this world says, I am urging you and asking you to show grace, mercy, and compassion. It's the same thing that God had given to Philemon. It's the same thing God gives to us. So the question then, if, if at the end of the letter, what did Philemon do? And, and the Bible doesn't give us a direct answer for what Philemon did. But um, there, there's some historical texts that I ran across. Uh, there's a 1913 encyclopedia that refers back to some old writing that documented that Philemon, Appia, his wife, Archippus, his son, and Onesimus, it names all four, being martyred together at Colossae in later years. So for Onesimus to be listed in that document, he would have had to have been identified as part of the family. So he was an equal in that process. So I believe Philemon followed Paul's request, his desire, and accepted him as a fellow brother so that he was accepted and identified as a member of the family for Philemon. So Philemon went beyond his earthly rights to accept Onesimus. He valued Onesimus above anything that maybe fellow slave owners would view of Philemon. I mean, I can see some fellow slave owners saying, Philemon, you've got this uh, slave, you know, treat him properly or you know, maybe there'll be an uprising. No, Philemon properly accepted Onesimus as a fellow brother in Christ. So compared to how Philemon went above those normal characteristics, question number two, what characteristics might we possess that could be detrimental to fellowship within the body of Christ? How, how could we create some challenges? Now, we don't own slaves, but slavery provides a very clear hierarchy of person. There's a ranking of order. There's a master above the slaves. There is a superiority within that relationship. And my guess is that when Philemon would have gone to social events, he rubbed elbows with other individuals of the same social status that he was. And I doubt that Onesimus or any slave would go to those same things other than maybe to serve, but not as an equal. And, and that's normal. I mean, there's different responsibilities. There's different roles that we have within our society where we don't all do the same thing. But are we making sure that we're not carrying those societal hierarchical roles back into other settings where we could be seen as or thought of ourselves as being above somebody else? And in doing so, we miss opportunities to reach out, to love. Do we fall into a trap of comfort when we exclude from our Christian fellowship in any way? Do we do things, maybe even good, fun things, like playing disc golf, that might not be fully welcoming to others? I can be very competitive. I like to win. One of my favorite posters that I, I ran across and posted in my schoolroom is uh, about this big. And it's a little boy, about five, four or five years old. He's got a baseball bat, there's a glove, there's a ball. He's got dirty jeans, holes in his jeans, shirts untucked. And I don't remember if it's at the top or at the bottom, but it simply says, I play to win. There's a competitive nature. And even as I invite others to come and join tonight, is there an opportunity or possibility that my competitive nature can get in the way of some of that relationship? I, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping no. But, but can that sometimes pop up in the middle of a game? Yeah. My brother and I used to play a football game based on dice. There were some times, and I can remember, when something didn't go right in the middle of just that game, a silly game, 
And I would take the dice and I'd throw them at my brother out of frustration. Okay? That's supposed to be a fun thing. But did my response get in the way of fellowship? Um, a couple of years ago, I was blessed by Kathy Culp. And I see Kathy in the back here. And so, Kathy, I apologize. This is a good story for you. Um, I was blessed. So I, I don't think she even necessarily, she may not remember this. We'll see. She is a huge Notre Dame fan. And I'm a Michigan fan. Now, that, with, with that conflict, I, I'm, I'm still amazed that the Pasqualone family makes that work so well. <laughs> there, there is friendly banter that goes back and forth. And, and I enjoy that. But one day, and this was many years ago, before church, I, I can still remember, Kathy met me in the foyer out back here, and she asked me if some of her banter directed at me and my beloved Wolverines was over the top and rude. And, and I, again, I have no idea why or what led Kathy to, to even ask this. But the awareness and the care that she took to consider my feelings within that just spoke loudly. And, and I assured her, no, that, I enjoy that. That's fun. But in doing what she did, even just asking that question, she was placing our relationship above a trivial, earthly sports rivalry. So even in fun things, are we careful that we're still being inviting and we're nurturing one another? In Romans 12, verses 3 through 5, Paul writes, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We all come with different backgrounds, different experiences. Although many did, not all here in these pews grew up in a Mennonite congregation with Mennonite background. And that's good, that's okay. But are we making that assumption that everybody here was Mennonite? Uh, no. There's different appreciations for many different things, including worship styles. We grew up in different states. We went to different schools, middle school, high school, college, you name it. There's differences. We have different hobbies that we enjoy, different gifts, different talents that you bring to the congregation different sports teams that we favor, different versions of the Bible that you may prefer. I mean, anymore, there, there's a wide variety. King James, NIV, ESV, the message. I mean, it's, it's a long list. So what do we value with our comfort and what our comfort level is? Um, in Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4, Raul, uh, Paul wrote, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value, ourselves, or value others above ourselves, not looking to our own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And we can sometimes, many times, think of our way as the best way, and maybe even sometimes the only way to do something. And it's human nature to be comfortable with whatever we grew up with, whatever we did, and we continue the same pattern. It's what we know. It's what we value. My daughter Natalie experienced something last month in Indianapolis. Uh, she's completing an internship down there. She went to church with two fellow interns. And walking out after the service, and Natalie, it, she told me about this, she was thinking of how the music and the sermon just didn't really speak to her that day. And she was a little disappointed, just didn't really feel moved. But then she noticed that one of her friends that she had attended with was walking along with her. And this other girl's family had been going through some challenges. The girl had felt 
quite a bit of stress over the previous weeks. And that girl was in tears. The service and the sermon didn't necessarily speak to Natalie, but this girl was touched. It moved her. And that moved Natalie. So Natalie may not have been moved by what she was experiencing right in the middle of that service, but it wasn't about Natalie. It was about what God was doing. And Natalie was able then to relate to the girl after the service, because of the service. It's not about you. You know, the first line of the focus of the book, The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren, we studied that as a congregation many years ago. It's not about you. It's not about me. And I I still think that's one of the big statements that Paul was kind of trying to make to Philemon. The gospel story and the church's mission is not about you, Philemon. It's not about your position. It's not about your rights as a slave owner. It's not about your status. It's about building up the entire church. From the newborn child to the fully retired individual. Everyone is to be valued and honored and cared for and welcomed into the family. It's about grace, mercy, and compassion. So question number three, what what is our call for fellowship today? And question number two, I kind of got into some of that. But last week, Corey Kern said this well. The phrase he used, be comfortable being uncomfortable. Embrace what might be different. If it doesn't bless me, who else is being blessed? Thinking back to Natalie's experience. If I don't feel God moving in me today, He may be moving in incredibly powerful ways in somebody else in these pews. And I give this as a challenge for every person listening. Whether you're sitting here, you're online, you're you're listening later. There there are currently seven living generations that are identified. And I always find this because then, you know, you feel like everybody living in this generation fits this mold. Well, no. No. But, but here are the generations. The greatest generation is referred to as anybody living or born from 1901 to 1927. And I, I've seen some slight fluctuation in some of these labels. The silent generation from 28 to 45. Baby, boomer, baby, baby boomers from 46 to 64. And I barely make it into that group. Generation X from 65 to 80. Millennials from 81 to 95, Generation Z from 96 to 2010, and Generation Alpha from 2011, looking forward to 2025. So regardless of the generation you are labeled as by this list or whatever list can happen, you're a member of God's family. not a generational group. The identity is in him first, not the year or the decade that we were born. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 gives evidence for the diversity of what worship can be and what we bring. Paul writes, What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation? Everything must be done so the church must be built up. So so what is my goal for worship and fellowship? To be blessed and maybe try to hold on to my rights just like Philemon would have had a possibility had he been tempted to do so? Or to bless God and extend grace, mercy, and compassion as Philemon actually did. The, The verse in 1 Corinthians right here refers not 
to what will I take from the service, but instead refers to what will I bring to the service. When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. It's what we bring. So commitment needs to be made to honor Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Commitment needs to be made to be honoring each other in everything we do. So what are you offering to God's worship service today? What are you offering to the body of believers Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So if my first thought is, how will this refresh me? How will this bless me? I don't think that's what Proverbs 11.25 is saying. God will bless you as you bless others, as you reach out. So we need to remove the walls of me, the walls of any clique that we may feel or envision. Growing up with Sunday evening church service, and we, we haven't had that in many, many years, but we, growing up, we, we had that. And the one thing that we did as a family many times after that Sunday evening worship was go to somebody else's house or invite somebody to our house. And we ate popcorn. How many of you remember doing something like that? Yeah. Now, I was young, and so I ended up listening to my dad and some of the elder individuals talking about things that were pretty cool, faith-based conversations. Fellowship went beyond just this time frame. Those were times when fellowship and community grew. So do we still do that? Or is that something that, well, we, we don't do that anymore? Um, right now, I'll tell you, the, if you're a golfer, the British Open is on today. So are you going to rush home to watch the British Open? Well, if you do, maybe invite somebody with you. Different thought. But our schedules get filled do we get together with family and say, well, I'm getting together with family and then we exclude somebody else from that setting? Family is awesome and important to be getting together with. But how about in some of those settings you expand your family? How about inviting somebody to join your family? I know some families that have done that even for Thanksgiving or Easter. Dawn's family has done that. And I will say it felt weird the first couple times that we did it. But it was a blessing. Even in times when you think, oh, it's just my family. Who's family? And, and value family. There are times when you need to be just you and your wife, your husband, your kids. But can we expand that? Make it a wide community of love. Can you make time? And notice I'm not saying can you find time. Are we willing to make time to share in fellowship with someone that God has laid on your heart? Maybe there's somebody that you thought about through the week and you wonder why in the world did I think of them? Yeah. Maybe God's saying give them a call. Invite them over. Don't hesitate to show that compassion. How can I bless God? How can I bless others? How can I bless and grow his kingdom? I want to invite Antenna forward. He, he wrote a song. I'm not sure exactly when he wrote this, but this is a song that he wrote. Antenna is from Adi Ababa in Ethiopia. And um, came to the seminary just the beginning of this year, in January. And Ted is married, 
and has a son that just turned one last week. Uh, he posted some pictures, if some of you had seen that on Facebook. Um, he's going to sing a song that I really doubt that any of us will understand a single word that he says or sings. Now, the, the insert in your bulletin is the English interpretation. But these are words that bless God. Um, Antenna is from the same church organization, same group that Endalk is from. Not the same congregation, but the same church. Antenna is making adjustments to a different language, English, instead of Americ, which is the official language of Ethiopia, and doing well, very well. Experiencing a different culture, different ways of doing things, even adjusting to a different music scale. We use seven notes. He's accustomed to using five. So that's the difference. Antenna had a role back, back home as a praise team leader. He's done this before. But it's something different. We want to be embracing so I'm inviting Antenna to sing to us and bless us. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I thank God for the space I'm given. Uh, I thank the church for welcoming me in the way I am. Uh, I thank also the congregation to listen to me and to listen my Song is in the language you don't understand. Uh, uh, I'm going to sing the song uh, about the mercy of God, the love of God. Uh, as you know, the mercy of God is the great thing that has been manif manifested in our past life journey. Uh, the mercy of God is beyond our knowledge, beyond our logical thinking, beyond our uh, wisdom, beyond our smartness. Uh, in the life journey, there are situations in which knowledge doesn't work, money doesn't work, our wisdom doesn't work, but the mercy of God. So I invite you this time to think about the mercy of God, the grace of God, the love of God, uh, I invite you uh, to think about that. I don't use any musical instrument. I'm trying to sing uh, by my voice. Uh, and you can follow me with a translation. <clears throat> Mehiratin slavizakilin, Cherinatin slagenen kilin, Altafahum, Altafahum, Altafahun yame, Altafahum, Altafahum, Altafahun yame, Altafahum, Altafahum, Altafahun yame. Altafahum, Altafahum, Altafahun yame. Mehiratin slavizakilin, Cherinatin slagenen kilin. Mehiratin slavizakilin, Cherinatin slagenen kilin. Altafahum, Altafahum. Altafahum yame, Altafahum, Altafahum, Altafahum yame. Amalet kuny, Altafahum, Altafahum yame, Altafahum, Altafahum, Altafahum yame. Erehirahiu, Alalakem na. Chaloma wal fulling, branai chalew. Erehirahew, 
አላልቀምና ይወደባባይ ቁሜ ዘምረለው እረህራህው አላልቀምና የጥላቴን ምክር ከንቱ አድርጎታል እረህራህው አላልቀምና ስለኔ ያየልኝኒ ናግንቶኛል እረህራህው አላልቀምና ጨለማው አልፉልኝ ብራና ይቻለው እረህራህው አላልቀምና ይወደባባይ ቁሜ ዘምራለው እረህራህው አላልቀምና የጥላቴን ምክር ከንቱ አድርጎታል እረህራህው አላልቀምና ስለኔ ያየልኝ እኔ ናግንቶኛል ያልጠፋነው ከመህረቱ የተነሳነው ያልጠፋነው ከመህረቱ የተነሳነው ያመለጥነው ከመህረቱ የተነሳነው ያመለጥነው ከመህረቱ የተነሳነው we are not consumed because of his mercy amen amen thank you antenna god's mercies are powerful in every language they are true in every language His great love, mercy and compassion never fails. Every music style, every worship style, every Sunday school class that meets and discusses God's word. Every home that embraces God as the center of the family. It's so easy that we can sometimes get caught up in our own thoughts, our own expectations. and when we do that i think we miss how big god is because we only know our own community he's bigger than that zach williams sings a song called less like me and here's the chorus for that lord help me be a little more like mercy a little more like grace a little more like kindness goodness love and faith a little more like patience a little more like peace a little more like Jesus a little less like me embrace what we have given from god the mercy the grace the compassion and let's spread that throughout these pews beyond these walls let's go beyond our own expectations beyond my own desires my own wishes and bless others as God has blessed us. I invite the Rolene to come forward to sing. You'll find our closing song in the hymnal. number 421 please stand if you're able to sing we will sing verses 1 2 3 and 6 
Let's close with prayer. Dear Lord God, I thank you for your gifts, for your grace, for your mercy, for your compassion. I thank you for walking each step of the way with us. Lord, opportunities arise where I, have, I can reach out. Lord, for those times that I fail, convict me of that. Help me to atone for that, to ask for forgiveness, and, and then continue to reach out where needed, where I can. But Lord, give me eyes to see opportunities to show that grace, mercy, compassion before I may fail. Open my hearts and eyes to show love, to care, to give of my time, to give of my energies. Lord, this is a body of yours. Give us loving hearts to grow your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.